0: Now, are you finding these kids these days are running on empty? While there is no lack of high-achieving kids that are arguably more accomplished, better educated, and more privileged than ever before, they also seem to be more stressed, unhappier, and struggling. We have heard in numerous podcast episodes that I've done in the past with top experts that kids are suffering from anxiety, depression, burnout at younger and younger ages. My next guest says that thrivers are different though. They flourish in our fast paced, digital driven, often uncertain world. Why? Well, it turns out they've aced the traits that set them on a happy, healthy, high-performing path, confidence, empathy, self-control, integrity, curiosity, perseverance, and optimism. These traits will allow kids to roll with the punches and succeed in life. How? Well, for that, we turn to my friend and colleague, Dr. Michelle Borba. Michelle Borba is an internationally renowned educator, award-winning author, and parenting child expert, recognized for her solution-based strategies to strengthen our children's social emotional intelligence and character and reduce peer cruelty. A sought-after motivational speaker, she has spoken in 19 countries in five continents, and has served as a consultant to hundreds of schools and corporations. Dr. Borba is an NBC contributor who has appeared 150 times on the Today Show and countless other shows. She is the award-winning author of 24 books translated into 19 languages, including two that we've already interviewed her about on the show, End, Peer Cruelty, Build Empathy, and Unselfie, Why Empathetic Kids Succeed in Our All About Me World. Her newest book, Thrivers, The Surprising Reasons Why Some Kids Struggle and Others Shine, is out this week, and we are so excited to have her as one of our very first interviews on this book. Welcome back for the third time, my friend and colleague, Dr. Michelle Borba.
1: Robin, (laughs) I'm so glad to be back. I love talking with you.
0: Well, I love talking with you too, and you know, our, the audience of How to Talk to Kids About Anything adores you, so we're very Aww. excited to leap in and celebrate this wonderful new book, but before we talk about all the great things that's related to thrivers, can you tell us what gets you up in the morning these days, and what brought you to discussing these teachable skills that sets kids who thrive apart from those who struggle?
1: Oh, you know what? This was not an overnight concept. I've been working on this one forever, I think. Mm -hmm. I, I started out way back when, Robin, as a special education teacher. And what I saw, despite some kids having a lot of adversity, some were struggling more while others were shining more. And I started delving into some really fabulous research on resilience and discovered some untapped secrets that thriving kids are made, not born, that they'd studied kids longitudinal studies. Can you imagine like 40 years of the Mm -hmm. same groups Mm -hmm. of kids? And for some reason, they found that one third of them were bouncing back and making it. So that was my okay, if this is so true, then we've got to give parents this toolkit that's updated based on science. So we can help all of our kids thrive more. Mm, so important. And I love this idea
0: of thriving and love to talk about that in terms of, of the research and the information out there. Now we know that kids have relayed to you and astutely so that their lives are crammed. They have to be picture perfect. They feel rushed and passionless and lost and they're striving, but they're not thriving. So what is the problem if our kids keep charging down the same negative path and what do you feel would be a more correct positive path that they should be going down instead?
1: Based on what the kids say, and by the way, this was done prior to the pandemic. I had just interviewed 100 kids across the country, uh, incredibly diverse groups of children and one-on-one for about an hour each and the surprise thing robin that was really bothering me is almost all of them said the exact same thing these were very smart kids whose gpas of 4.0s i think were 7.3s they were well loved (laughs) and had unbelievable opportunities but every one of them said exactly what you said they felt like they were running on empty Mm -hmm. so when i started looking at what they were saying based on what the research was saying I realized it's too often we're parenting kids for the GPA and the test score and the rank. Many kids said we feel like we've been raised more like products, Mm -hmm. but we're missing the skills on how to be human beings. And if we teach the other skills, not that we're going to stop helping them be smart in the classrooms, Mm -hmm. but we teach both. What we now have is the well-rounded kid who's going to be able to not only do well in school, but also in life. Mm-hmm. It's really
0: a, such a distressing issue. And I remember reading that idea of them feeling like their products. Let's talk about one of the first concepts that you discuss on strengths. And, uh, you know, I, I've been spending a lot of, of time dealing with this concept as well. I truly feel that young people are assets to be developed, not deficits to be managed. And over the last year, from what I've heard from parents, It's really easy to focus on the negative. Um, My view of kids, because I feel like they're assets to be developed professionally, that is like a nagging feeling in the back of my head, even while I'm parenting, because I get it, I'm a parent and it is frustrating. Um, there are a lot of frustrating things that happen and you feel like you're correcting and, and trying to make improvements all the time and let me you know, illuminate for my child what's going wrong so that they can make it right. So tell us about how we can focus on our children's strengths and what that has to do with the development of self-confidence, one of the key character traits of a thriver.
1: Yeah. Number one of a thriver is that they actually use that self-confidence, real self-confidence, not the tutu, you know, praise them to death with the trophies, but (laughs) who I really am based on what you want me to be. That was the fascinating thing is, and parent to buy yourself into this, Robin, the most interesting thing is when we even look at longitudinal studies of not just thrivers, But if peak performers, even the kids who have the highest of the highest IQ, what we discover is that the number one time our kids are most likely to stop their incredible talents is age 13 because they don't have enough practice time Mm -hmm. for the talent that really craves them. That talent is what helps them give them a sense of purpose and a sense of meaning. So I think the first thing is real easy. Let's not make this all so darn hard. Just take a moment and stop and watch your kid a little more over the next week not knowing that they're, you're being watching them, but what do they gravitate towards? What just draws that joy and that interest? What are the things that they do when they say, mom, I can't come to dinner right now. Can you just give me five more minutes because I'm playing this violin? Mm-hmm. Whatever it is, that's their natural talent and strength. The first thing in Thrivers is you go to the chapter and you actually can fill out a core asset form mm-hmm. for your child. Fill it out and figure out who this kid is. Because that's going to give them the substance to really help them feel a sense of this is who I am. That's what's going to give them that driver sense of I got this because you're going with their strength and not their weakness.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that idea of being able to develop that passion is so important. I, when I was reading your book and preparing for this interview, I said to my my son, Noah, I said, "What what do you see yourself becoming?" and 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 just you know, what what does it look like to you for for your future? And he said, "Well, I I'm going to be a scientist." And I said, "Well, do you see yourself with you know like a lab coat on and with like potions in front of you or out in the wilderness?" And he said, "Oh, the lab coat and the potions. Would I mean, you think that you're going to create something?" Or do you think you're gonna figure something out that's a problem? And he said, I'm gonna create something. And so I'm using some of the the questions that are coming from reading that chapter with my kids so that they can be more Mm -hmm. specific about what it is that they're tending towards and it then helps me to better support them. I would imagine that that's part of what you hope is the byproduct of
1: this book. Is that correct? Exactly. Because I think what we need to do is realize that our best toolkit is always figuring out who our child is mm-hmm. and, and kind of letting them draw us down the path. That means you got to have those great conversations, Robin, with exactly the ones that you had with your child or ask them, why did you like that? You just seem to be really enjoying that particular book mm-hmm. or that that instrument or that hobby. What is it that you like about it? What draws it? It not only helps them being able to realize that's something that gives me some passion, but mm-hmm. the next thing is it helps you realize i got to give my child some more time to carve in some time so he can develop it. Uh, one of the things that Emmy Werner in Resilience Theory says that Many of our the reasons why some kids are able to be resilient and bounce back is they have a hobby, they have an mm-hmm. interest. Mm-hmm. And once they know that they have that hobby, it helps them decompress, it helps them relax. Yes. If they, they begin to say, This is what I'm good at. And it lasts not just now, but the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. Most of the kids I was interviewing when I said, What are your hobbies? They looked at me absolutely dumbfounded. Who's got time for a hobby? Oh gosh. So and maybe that that's the first little thing is maybe. When you say, how do I figure it out? Well, maybe some families have family hobby days where they every week they add, let's try this or let's try this or let's bring in the chess or let's look at National Geographic to see if we like to travel and watch what your child seems to really enjoy, Mm
0: -hmm. add to it. Yes. My, my husband and kids, both uh, both my husband and my kids have all joined archery lately. Now my son has been doing archery in the past and my husband has kind of had his eye on it when we recently moved. So everybody has gotten into archery and it's become, you know, not so much a family affair because I'm going to be just taking pictures at this point. Uh, There's some other things that I'm pursuing, but they are really getting interested in that. And they're starting to talk about how they, they see themselves doing it for a long time. My daughter even said, I can't wait for the time when I can drive myself to the archery range and be able to do it. And she's turning 12. So it's like a long way away. So I'm starting to see that there can be some passions that are long lasting and it does to your point matter that we don't fill their schedules with so many other things that we think they should be doing, that we want them to be doing. Oh, well, we've got to have them do, you know, this activity. And what about this team sport? And what about this, you know, and they start to fill things because then they don't have that extra time to be able to say, do you think I can get an extra turn to go to archery this week and, and just spend some time doing that?
1: Mm-hmm. That's exactly it. So maybe the first thing on this self-confidence is just take a moment just to start taking a little index card notations on who your child is. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I love that idea. That's your first step. So simple, but mm-hmm. that who is going to help you direct that path the rest of your child's life.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And to the point of, of strengths related to self-confidence, then how do we then relate their interests, their newfound passions or the things that we're not quite sure maybe they are interested in or strong in how do we kind of connect that idea of strengths with the self-confidence?
1: Uh, I, uh, one of the greatest ideas that i've seen on that one was an a child development psychologist who said you have a conversation with your child and you first define what strengths are mm-hmm. and the easiest way is you said pick up your pencil and we just draw me some pictures or just write your name Ah, oh, okay now pick the pencil up and write with the other hand how did it feel what they immediately then recognize is a strength is something that makes you feel strong and it's easier to do and you just do it automatically. And then you say, that's what a strength is. Mm-hmm. The weaker is the one that causes you a little bit more stress and it's harder to do. And it doesn't mean we're going to stop working on it, but you just have to know what the real strengths are. So once you know what they are, let's just keep stretching you go into that direction real <laughs> easy. And that I think is glorious. Then you start acknowledging it. it start acknowledging it with your praise but make sure it's very specific. Wow, it really looks like you enjoy cello because I see you spending more time on it. Mm. Or it seems like even when you have a harder time, you stick with it that seems to be your strength area once you acknowledge it to your child then you can go another one is how are we going to develop it even further Mm -hmm. some parents need to get a mentor maybe you're not so good at cello but you can Mm -hmm. find somebody else who brings it in or maybe there's some great zoom classes that you can do or maybe great aunt Sally can get on the phone and do some zoom likes with your child during this COVID thing. Mm -hmm. but it's finding those areas and keep stretching them because uh what we also know university of chicago is eventually along the way, usually we get, we keep going with that strength area and very often it becomes our vocation. We mm-hmm. figure out there's where we're going. I'm a musical kind of a person. It doesn't mean I'm going to be playing cello the rest of my life. but That's what, who I am and what I love. Mm-hmm. So uh, to that point, then, if we are using this strength-based
0: language that you're talking about right here, as opposed to deficit-focused language. What are some ways that we can do that? I mean, I think you're you focusing on the gift is is important, and and allowing them to focus on who they want to be is, is important. But what are some other ways that that some language comes out of our mouth
1: yeah. that's strength based rather than deficit based? One idea that Adam Grant brings up is a fabulous piece of research. Mm -hmm. It's called your call it by a noun and not a verb. Yes. And too often we forget that one big part of strengths are also your child's character strengths. If he's kind, is he respectful? We seem to undervalue those, Mm -hmm. and that actually can rise our child up by letting him know here's your character strengths. Mm -hmm. Adam Grant would say, when you praise, I see that you're really a helper as Mm -hmm. opposed to you like to help. Mm -hmm. Or wow, you really hung in there and you seem to be so respectful because Mm -hmm. always add the word because to your praise Mm. and tell them exactly what you did well. What we discover is that if your child sees himself in that image, because you've you've named it as a noun and not a verb, it actually takes it up five levels. Mm -hmm. And he begins to equate his identity with that. So that's a real easy way to just keep acknowledging it, but use a noun, not a verb. Mm -hmm.
0: Love that idea. And it's such a simple way to tweak things. You say in your chapter on empathy, and I've obviously this is the topic of of unselfie, your book uh, from before. But you also put a chapter in about empathy here for thrivers, and you say that we need to let our kids know that they're loved and cherished, but not better, superior, or worthier than another. And that seems like a very important message, given the current need for connection, the increase and faceless interactions that we have and the racial tension that has been coming to a head in recent times, can you give us some specific ways that we can teach empathy to help our kids better connect with the many diverse people that we would like them to and how this can then help them to thrive?
1: Let's start with the how it helps them thrive and you'll be more likely to to flip it around and do the ideas that we're gonna talk about the most interesting thing is empathy seems to be the highest correlation to strong mental health for our kids. And we've kind of downplayed it, but Mm -hmm. now we realize, Oh my gosh, that's why stress is mounting with our children because they don't have those face-to-face connections with each other. And so they're one of the loneliest groups that we've seen in a very Mm -hmm. long time. Prior to the pandemic, I, that was the other thing that keeps kids kept saying is that they're really good on that. The digital but they're looking down, not up, and they don't know how to read each other. Mm -hmm. So it's a wake up call in terms of, we've got to stress we, not me. How do we do it? Number one is the gateway to empathy is emotions. Mm -hmm. We need to talk them more, talk them more naturally, talk them on an everyday basis and start with yourself. I'm really frustrated today Mm -hmm. because, or, oh my gosh, I'm feeling so stressed or because, or wow, I'm so angry. The reason is you're giving your children in your own home permission to share their feelings. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be wonderful where they'll open up going, I'm feeling really irritated or mad or stressed, mom. Now you have a window into them. But the second thing is along the way, they'll be able to read each other. You can't feel with another person, Robin, unless you turn and go, oh, he he looks stressed or she looks frustrated Mm -hmm. or he sounds upset. Robin, Mm -hmm. we also do this far better, we know, with our daughters at age two Mm -hmm. than we do with our sons at age Mm -hmm. two. Mm -hmm. So start talking emotions. You can also do it so that you are, even if you're still Zooming and you're doing a pandemic, you can prime the child. You're going to FaceTime with grandma because this is your 10 o'clock time to talk. But as you're talking to grandma, listen to her voice. So you'll know when she starts to get tired and you'll know it's time to hang up Mm. or watch those wonderful movies like Inside Out or Charlotte's Web and ask your child while you're sitting there with your child going, how would you feel if that happened to you? Mm -hmm. What would you need in order to feel better? Mm -hmm. What you're doing is starting the stretching your child to be able to realize that empathy matters. And along the way, you're going to keep on going uh, to other ideas. For instance, other possibilities. And there are endless ones. We do know that our children do need time with each other. So you can have Zoom play dates. You can do Mm. Zoom wonderful read-alouds, but do it more regularly, like 10 o'clock every day Mm. so that your child can work into, that's our time that I'm going to be with my friend and we're just going to be on a Zoom link together, but we're going to review our flashcards or Mm. we're going to talk about that book together watch your own friends. This is the one that we we mix up. I love that you talked about we need more diversity. Mm -hmm. Watch who you are exposing your child to. Mm -hmm. Are you bringing in diverse kinds of friends? Because we're more likely to empathize with those like us. Mm-hmm. My gender, my age, my race, my economic background. Mm-hmm. You wanna expose your child to differences and from a younger age. Mm.
0: Really important information there. Now, let's say that the situation, a little bit of a harder situation. So we're empathizing with others, but now we're really hurt, we're yep. angry we're confused. Somebody else has made us feel this way. And now we need to be able to take somebody else's point of view while also being, feeling like a target. So how do we then flip that ability to show
1: empathy when we're feeling like the ones who are hurt? Well, number one, you take a slow, deep breath because you can't think when you're hurt because mm-hmm. you're now in, in just emotionally distraught. Yes. It depends upon the situation, Rob. And you know, above, the, above it all, it's like so many different issues that come up. But the first step before we get into that is to help your child with two great questions. How would you feel if that happened to you? What would you need in order to feel better? Mm-hmm. Martin Hoffman says that's a glorious question. And the more we ask it, the Mm -hmm. more we start stretching our child to think about the other point of view. Mm -hmm. Then the next thing we can do is actually teach what I call calm, Mm C-A-L-M. Now you never teach it all at once, but you teach it in four different segments. But C is anytime you're upset, the first thing you gotta do is take a slow, deep breath or whatever works for you. Maybe it's count to 10 or maybe it's turn and walk away or maybe it's talk yourself down a little bit. And you tell your child, because when you're hurt or something's happened and your friend is hurt, you can't make good decisions when Mm -hmm. you're upset. So Mm -hmm. that's step one. Mm -hmm. A is learn to help your child learn some assertive comeback lines. And it could be, you know, it could be, I feel really hurt, or why did you do that? Or stop Mm -hmm. doing that. Practice and brainstorm a number of just kinds of things that your child can say to another person in the heat of the moment, because every situation is different. Mm -hmm. What does your child feel comfortable doing or saying practice them over and over again? And then two other ones, C is stay calm. A is practice assertive comeback lines for little ones as well as bigger ones. And then the two things that when you have really been hurt and you want to address another person, the L and the M are critical. Yell is look the person in the eye when you say it. And the reason for it is that if you look a person in the eye, you're actually making your whole body look like it's confident, strong body language, Mm -hmm. as opposed to looking down. The M is make your voice sound like you mean it. Mm -hmm. Listen to my voice. Stop it. Stop it. Which one do you think your friend would would listen to? Mm -hmm. Or I don't like that. Or that hurts. Which one do you think your friend would listen to? If you practice those enough, you'll have a child who's going to be more assertive as well as more empathetic from a younger age.
0: Mm-hmm. I love the way that you explain things and and it's in such an easy way to understand and implement. Now you talk about the idea of self-control also being a part of thrivers. And again, this helps in relationships like we were just talking about, of course, because it reminds you to pause and focus on what's really important in the long run, rather than that short-term moment of frustration and Helps you be more mindful of what's happening to you before you go off the deep end. Like in that particular moment when somebody's hurting your feelings and you just you know want to sock them in the face. So how can we help our kids practice self-control, especially if our children tend to be more impulsive? Um, yep. They say what's on their mind without thinking it through and get triggered by others easily.
1: With our mistake, I think, Robin, is waiting until the trigger comes mm-hmm. or waiting until the kids in meltdown. It's kind of like at, <laughs> at uh, the holidays at Walmart. And I can see the kids <laughs> having the absolute exorcism in the toy store aisle and the mom saying, calm down, calm Let's down. Let's practice our deep breathing yeah, now. That's like Didn't work, didn't work. So rewind it back. And let's begin at realizing, I don't care if the kid is 43 or two, you always (laughs) scaffold everything, right? So step one is just taking moments and it may take a week and it may take five years, but to help your child realize what their stress signs are, Mm -hmm. what does your body, what are those little signs telling you that you're starting to get a little irritable Mm -hmm. and how cool that is to do as a family? let's everybody know that everybody has different warning signs and you talk about them naturally like oh look at johnny's his little hands are in his face that looks like he's starting to get upset or Mm. daddy's taking that deep breath that means ooh, look at daddy's heart going up and down and up and down or mommy's feet are moving quicker if everybody takes a moment to identify their stress signs. I swear to you, ask the kid what your side is. They'll always tell you there yeah. mom. You do that weird thing with your eyes. They know <laughs> our sides faster than they know theirs. And that's just first step. What are your signs? And then we're going to help each other know their signs. And it could be by just giving each other a little signal, just a little signal. There's a Michael Phelps is the mm-hmm. story that I use in self-control. Mm-hmm. The, the world's most decorated Olympian. Mm-hmm. And I love it because he had severe ADHD yes. as a kid. But his mother discovered that what helped him above all stay calm was the swimming pool. He mm-hmm. said, I got so much energy and I could just decompress in the swimming pool. But he said, I still had some problems. My mom came up with a signal. She'd sit in the stands, and the signal was she turned her hand mm-hmm. into a C, mm-hmm. and that meant calm down. We spent a lot of time rigging what my thing what my signs look like, that was our signal. Nobody else knew it. And that's what helped me. I think mm. that was glorious. Mm-hmm. That's the same thing we can do at our own home. It could be a timeout signal like an umpire, meaning you need a little calm down. What many families are also doing as calm down right now is creating calm down corners in their house. Mm-hmm. Their kids are coming up with don't go buying anything. Whatever you already have in your house, let's create the corner together. And anybody, mom, dad, brother, sister, we can all use it. It could be beanbag chairs. It could Mm -hmm. be pillows. It could be a sheet over a dining room table. Mm -hmm. And then inside it, what are you going to put? What are things that help you stay calm? Mm -hmm. Oh, music on my iPad. Good idea. Let's put it in there. Mm -hmm. Or a glitter jar. Good. Let's put it down there. Books. Or it could be bubble blowers for little kids. Mm -hmm. But put the things that are there. So now you have signal one. You're starting to get out of control because we've been talking about it for a long time. So what are you gonna do? I'm gonna go to my calm down corner and take some slow deep breaths or use whatever's there until I have myself back in sync. Mm -hmm. That's what I think we need to do. And then it creates that practice log.
0: Right, exactly. And I remember Lisa Damore talking to us about the glitter jar. And it is good to just use what you have and practice using those things before you need them, because, of course, we don't know exactly what might work in the
1: moment. Yes, and how cool (laughs) it also is to invite your child to tell you what do you need. I was interviewing some kids and it was like this 14 year old. I said, what do you do when you're really out of control? She says, oh, I finally figured out a playlist that's perfect for me. I said, oh, please Mm -hmm. do tell what's on your playlist. She says, well, I've got this soothing music like Mozart really helps me. Mm -hmm. And sometimes there are certain songs that help me. Oh, Robin, this is great. She said, you know, your generation is better than ours. I said, why? It's just because your generation has less beats. It's really good. It helps me. I <laughs> We finally got some credit. There and, you well, go. <laughs> yeah. And what do you do when you finally make it? She says, oh. When I overcome and really make it, like I get a good test grade or something, I crank on Elton John, I'm still standing and I start marching around the room, but that's what helps me.
0: Nice. Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, that is awesome for kids who can use some self-control and get that Energy out. Some people, obviously, based on what you're saying, and just to you know, put some high beams on that. That some people might need some sensory input, like uh, music. Some people might need some sensory shut out, like if you're under a table with a with a sheet over it, and you've got the light out, and you're you're getting calm yeah. in that way. Uh, some kids need to get energy out, like a uh, uh, Michael Phelps, and they're using physical ways of getting that that self control in, in back intact. So they're expending that energy. So not being afraid to try all different kinds of things, because I know people tend to go to, you know, deep breathing, which of course can be helpful, but understand that different kids need different things in order to gain that self-control. Oh, Robin,
1: I am so glad you said that. One of the best things that a kid said to me when I said, well, you know, what helps you? He said, you know, the thing you got to do is give kids a repertoire of stuff. Mm. That mindfulness works for some kids, but yes. it doesn't work for others. Right. So give us a repertoire until we can figure out what works for us. Then he had a part two that I love. He said, then you got to help us practice because mm. you don't learn this stuff in a textbook. You know, you got to keep practicing it. Mm So we can do it in the heat of the moment Mm -hmm. when the parent isn't there. Now that was a 16 year old. Yeah. He knows what he's talking about. Textbook. Perfect.
0: Yes. That was brilliant. So when talking about, friendship and money and achievements at school, things that kids are starting to, you know, really ramp up with these days. And especially when they're now and wanting new gadgets and make sure that they're comparing themselves to the other kids and are they doing okay? That one of your other uh, traits really comes into practice, and that has to do with integrity. I mean, after all, trust is the foundation of friendship. Those who are trustworthy and honest handle money in different ways than than those who lack integrity. Uh, cheating in school has been seen at every level, even getting into and making it into college, as we've seen in the last year or so. You know, parents get on that ugly train as well. So, how can we talk to our kids? about integrity as it relates to these common areas of friendship, of money, of, chi- of achievement in school, um, as it seems to be a common thread that we want them to apply?
1: Well, first buy into the fact, please, that integrity is one of the highest correlations to resilience, mm-hmm. which is a shock. But we discover is that when push comes to shove, kids who really know what they stand for or what has been inbred in them as a family what happens is they're more likely to thrive because they don't have to sit there and figure out what the decisions are. They have a strong moral code and that Mm. really helps reduce the stress. The other thing that I've discovered along the way is talking to kids about integrity seems to be not nearly as important as you modeling it Mm. because they watch us. We do all these lectures, but if we're not walking (laughs) the talk, it seems to be that they get this mixed gnome of like, it doesn't matter at all. So maybe the first step on all of this is to take a moment and say, what really does matter in my house? Mm-hmm. We, we spend so much time on everything else, Robin, that we forget to go, all right, I'm going to sit there and fast forward my kid and I'm going to pretend he's 40. What are the values that I want to see in him mm-hmm. or her then? Mm-hmm. And I don't care what they are, but take a moment to write them down, then rewind them and say, so what am I going to in my everyday moments? Going to do to take that up a notch mm-hmm. uh and maybe rewind it even further the best thing i've saw seen anywhere along the way that's in thrivers was one of the families who said what we do is is when i was six we sat down my mom and dad called me into the family room with my brothers there was mm-hmm. all these marking pens and chart paper all over mm-hmm. and my dad said sit down we're going to talk about what kind of family we want to be and who mm-hmm. we want to be remembered for mm-hmm. we all sat there like we didn't know what he meant but he said come on How would you want to be described as a family? And Mm -hmm. we're going to write down all the words. So we wrote all these words down. This is a great thing to do Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. during the weekend. Mm -hmm. You write down all the words, like caring and kind and respectful and honest and trusting and the 50,000 different virtues Mm -hmm. there are. And then dad and mom said, so we can't be them all. What's the most important? And we circled and all chose caring. And that's Mm -hmm. how we became the caring Perlans. So part two, I said, So Marilyn, how did you remember that you were the Caring Perlins? She laughed. She was then 23 when I was interviewing her. She said, it was impossible not to remember it. My parents must have said it 50 times a day. Mm -hmm. Remember, we're the Caring Perlins. Remember, we're the caring purlins. She dropped us off at school. Remember, they're caring purlins. Whenever we do something that was discipline, remember, we're the caring purlins. Was that a caring purlin kind of an act or not a caring purlin act? It became our mantra. Mm-hmm, it became mm-hmm. so woven in. Now you can do it to the money. Would that be what a caring purlin does or not a caring mm-hmm. purlin? Too often, what we do is we try to make our talk so hyper, you know, way up there in the loft in the clouds mm-hmm. when kids don't understand the value and the reason for it. Mm-hmm. So. Go down lower and just help the kid understand why you're making that part of your discipline or why you're making that part of your talk. Marilyn Mm -hmm. said that was the simplest thing. We never forgot it. She said, I went and got married last weekend. She started to cry. She said, my dad walked me down the aisle. And all Mm -hmm. of a sudden I started sobbing, realizing, I was never gonna be in that family, Aww. living in that family, but I'd always, always be a caring pearl and because mm-hmm. they'd embedded me in, in me so much. Mm-hmm. I love that.
0: Oh, I love that too. And you do talk about the importance of family meetings and and being able to map out the kind of family that you want to be, the kind of person you want to be—I mean, you—you you attribute it in, in a bunch of different chapters in different ways, um, and it is extremely important. And it can be carried into so many different areas of life, whether it's on friendship, or what's about money, or if it's about how you're performing in school, or, or the way that you're attacking your, uh, your studies, um, in, in an honest way, versus a dishonest way, in a caring way, in a an uncaring way, so that's that I really like. When it comes to perseverance, another one of your traits, you want parents to be talking to kids in in different ways as well that that haven't really been done as much in the past. And that's you're talking about gains rather than achievements. You're talking about turnaround plans instead of mistakes. Tell us about how these ideas of gains and turnaround plans can help change the way kids see their failures?
1: First of all, when a child sees a failure as a, so what am I going to do next time? He's more likely to thrive. Mm -hmm. One of the big pieces of all the work on kids who, you know, get along get all in the way. And all of a sudden there comes a roadblock. They don't give up Mm -hmm. because they see it as, okay, there's an obstacle. There's a Mm -hmm. stumbler. So Mm -hmm. what am I going to do differently the next time? That's Mm -hmm. golden. As mm-hmm. a result, all of the science says they keep on going. And a thriver is the kid who goes, I got this. I can do it. Mm-hmm. We've got too many kids who are failure paralyzed. So step yes. one is what we've got to do is let mistakes be permissible in our families. Mm-hmm. And it starts with us being just a little more open and saying, boy, I blew that. <laughs> and admit what the heck you blew. You know, mm-hmm. I next next time aisle is mm-hmm. the takeaway that we need to start adding to our vocabulary. For instance, I'm sitting in there and I just blew my recipe. All Mm -hmm. of the kids are going to know you blew the cupcakes. (laughs) But next time I'll read the whole recipe before I add the eggs at the beginning. When kids know what the next time is, you can then use the vocabulary when you're with your child. So Mm -hmm. you blew it. Let's sit down and talk about it. What will you do next time? That's what football coaches do. They'll go, so next time, what are you going to do instead? Mm -hmm. Kids need to have turnaround plans. They also need to see that the whole goal of this is to not get the 100% every single time at the end, but keep making steady gains towards it. And that's what success is, you know, Johnny. It's a four-letter word spelled gain, G-A-I-N. So mm-hmm. what you're going to do next time in order to get closer and closer and closer so you more and more successful.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That it's a, a learning opportunity that has those mistakes. It's not the end of the line. We I mean, know certainly to use your, your example of the football player. It's not like the football player makes a mistake and he's off the team. It's, it's now, all right, you fumbled the ball now. What are you going to do next time? What's the change you're going to make? And it doesn't have to be monumental. These are little incremental changes that we work on over time. We also can apply that to our own lives and our own work. Um, it can apply to parenting. And when we, you know, find ourselves yelling at our child and we realize, oh, okay, well, next time maybe I will ch- check out the, the the early triggers, those early signs that we just discussed and maybe do it a little bit differently. Would yeah. you agree?
1: Oh, oh, I love everything you said. Yes, you didn't see my head going nodding, nodding, <laughs> nodding. <Because laughs> the other thing we find that many children who are more of a striver and not a thriver is they get overwhelmed. Mm. They get overwhelmed with, oh my gosh, it just seems so big of what am I gonna do? And so they quit or they give up too often when they're so close to succeeding. Mm. Uh, I spent a lot of time in the world of playing a piano because my mother told me I had to take music lessons. (laughs) And I remember my first music teacher to this day, I still resent him, his name was Mr. White. And Mr. White used to do something when I was six, seven and eight, if you made one mistake, I'm in the middle of whatever it was, you had to start the whole thing all Mm. over again. And what happened was I become so failure paralyzed that I began to hate music
0: Mm,
1: mm. because that's all he focused on. Mrs. Thompson was my next music teacher. My mom hired somebody by the time I was 10. That was a little different. And what Mrs. Thompson did was, Michelle, that's your little stumbler. Let's just work on that one little stumbler. Now, what are you going to do? No, let's just practice it for a little bit. Okay, now start at the beginning. I didn't Mm -hmm. see it as overwhelmed. I Mm -hmm. saw that, okay, what am I going to do instead? Football Mm -hmm. coaches, that's what they also do. Let's Mm -hmm. look at that one little stumbler. Okay, let's look at where your foot is. Now let's practice Mm -hmm. that one little piece over and over again. Mm -hmm. If you help your child identify that one little thing, they'll now have a turnaround plan so they're more likely to be able to say, I can do this. I got this. I can mm-hmm. keep going with it.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. And even that language of turnaround plan and and gains and little stumblers, that they make a difference to a child because, you know, the word failure feels so final. Yeah. Uh, and, and these other words just seem like little blips along the
1: way. You know, Robin, it's a big piece that I think is critical when we talk about resilience, which is what I am equating as a thriver. There's so much research that tells us that again, a really resilient child isn't born resilient. They learn these little skills along the way. And one of the pieces they have are protective buffers, Mm -hmm. all those things that help them when they get to the mistake or when they get to the obstacle. So this is really what we're talking about, how to set a different little goal or how to do the little turnaround plan or what the stumbler is those are everyday little moments that you can use with your child so when the big obstacle comes and you're not there the child goes i got this i got Mm -hmm. this i can do this Mm -hmm. because they know how to problem solve or they know that it's not a mistake that's going to be a derail them they know what to do instead Mm -hmm. those are the moments that are golden as a parent that we can Mm -hmm. help our kids
0: You are correct on that. And I think that's right. You know, you want to help them when the stakes are low so that you, you you know, you're not there when the stakes are high and they're still implementing the same skills that you've been working on. Why don't you finish this sentence? The most important thing that parents and teachers can do to help kids thrive is?
1: Be resilient yourself. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That sounds so absurd. But simply, we know that kids who watch us It's one of the reasons why they feel like they can endure or not endure. If we keep modeling, I got this, we're going to get through it. What happens is the child is more likely to endure and get through it. Mm -hmm. The simplest thing we could be doing right now, Robin, is so easy. If you're on on an obstacle and you go, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Keep saying to yourself, I got this. Mm -hmm. We got this. We're going to get through it Mm -hmm. until pretty soon your voice becomes your child's inner voice. Mm -hmm. And the most glorious thing is, Pretty soon they're saying inside their head, I got this. Mm-hmm. I'll get through it.
0: Mm-hmm. Beautiful. I love that. Uh, give us your top tip. What do you want people to come away with today after listening to this interview?
1: The top tip, I think, is realizing that we've gone through and endured a very unprecedented time. Mm-hmm. It's a pandemic. But we also know that if not a pandemic, Robin, it's going to be something else down mm-hmm. the pike. hmm Who knows? It's a very uncertain world. Mm -hmm. What I hope parents do above all else is rethink just a little teeny bit of what we need to do to really raise our children in today's uncertain era. GPA alone isn't going to do it. We need to give our kids those protective buffers, those thriving skills, because thrivers are made, not born. Mm -hmm. And we can do it.
0: We can do it. I think we just need to keep repeating that into our in our own heads. And you can even do it in Michelle's voice until it comes into yours. <laughs> you give us the resource of the week. Where can we go to get more information about you and your book and all the great work you're doing?
1: Oh, thank you. Well, my it's Michelle Borba.com. I'm a one L Michelle. So it's M-I-C-H-E-L-E-B-O-R-B-A. Everything's there, there's blogs, there's resources, there's an educator discussion guide to get teachers and parents together reading it. It's all free, just download it. But I I think if we get on board with just one other adult with like-minded and realizing that resilience is something we need to add to the plate, we're already gonna be one step more ahead on making sure that we raise up a strong generation of kids who thrive.
0: And the book is Thrivers. And I want to thank you, Dr. Michelle Borba, for coming on the show today and talking to us about all these important concepts from self-control to perseverance and much, much more. I just couldn't be more appreciative. I always learn so much when I'm on the phone with you. Thank you. Well, I've got my takeaways and sweet friends, I know you have yours. So let's discuss them. Come up on Facebook. You can go to the Dr. Robin Silverman page or let's chat about it at drrobinsilverman.com or twitter.com slash drrobin. I'm also on Instagram under Dr. Robin Silverman. And of course, I'll be putting all of Michelle's great links up there so you can interact with both of us on social media and get her book. And if you love this podcast like I did, I hope you'll go up and talk about it on iTunes and rate and review this podcast, because the more that people can hear about Dr. Borba's great solutions, the more they can use them in their own home. And that will just elevate all of our kids, all of our families and help all of us to thrive that's all the time we have for today my fellow parents leaders and educators thank you so much for tuning in to how to talk to kids about anything for more information on books articles speaking engagements or curriculum please visit dr so many great podcasts are up there and the show notes to this podcast will be up there as well I look forward to weathering the storm and enjoying the sunny side of life together and please remember even on the days when you fall short you've got this you're here you're getting the information you need i know it's not easy But never forget, there's always tomorrow. Parenting is the ultimate do over. I know you probably heard something today and you thought, oh, I did that wrong. I should have done this differently. But, you know, take those words that Dr. Borba was talking about today that, you know, it's not a failure. This is something that we can improve upon. We can make small gains. We can learn. We can grow. We can thrive. I see you and I'm right there with you. And as there are moments when we doubt our know-how, our choices, and our sweet sanity, please know you are 10 times the parent you think you are. Until next time, this is Dr. Robin Silverman with How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Please tune in again and keep connecting through conversation. See you next week. You've been listening to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please visit
1: drrobinsilverman.com.